for them. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word. John chapter 8, verse 43. I'm going to teach an interesting lesson tonight, just a very simple one. I want to give you a three Bible verses and then uh, some concepts about this concept, good habits of communication. Good habits of communication. And uh, communication makes up so much of our lives. If that's not working, then no relationship can work. And so let's look here, John chapter 8, verse 43. Uh, Jesus said, Why do ye not understand my speech, even because ye cannot hear my word? And let's pray. Father, thank you for the scripture. Thank you for the example of Christ and uh, the, just the very practical ways, day-to-day ways that the Bible can change our lives. And so I pray that you'd help us to understand these habits of communication. Uh, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So every relationship in your life is uh, or requires communication. The relationship that does not communicate is not much of a relationship. Would you agree with that? And so once communication is disabled, it's only a matter of time before the relationship disintegrates. Now, this could be a marriage. This can be a friendship. This could be a a church member relationship, friend relationship, a co-worker, boss. Every relationship in your life, everybody that you work with, requires communication. Uh, Parents to children, children to parents, any relationship, uh, you name it, it requires communication. And uh, thinking specifically about uh, marriage, marriage is the most intimate of relationships, but it's also one of the uh, relationships where communication breaks down the quickest because it is such a close relationship. And so Uh, If you don't talk to your friend for a week, you'll survive. If you don't talk to your spouse for a week, you're in real trouble, right? And so uh, oftentimes, and it's just human nature, we treat people better that uh, we don't know as well. And we tend to treat those we say we love the most worse. And we shouldn't do that, right? We should be the opposite, where the people we love the most, we treat the best, But human nature sometimes, uh, our sin nature gives us permission to mistreat those that we love. And it ought not be that way. And so it's necessary to communicate in order to work on growing your relationship, learning how to overcome difficulties. Now the the scripture we read, we're not going to look at the context so much as just pull out a phrase. And then I want to show you three or two other Bible verses uh, Jesus said something very interesting here. He said, you cannot hear my word. He said, why do you not understand my speech? Because you cannot hear my word. Now, we know here, spiritually speaking, he was saying that there's, uh, you are not spiritual. You're of your father, the devil. You don't want, but basically it boiled down to, you don't want to know what I'm saying. Uh, and have you ever been in a conversation with someone, perhaps a spouse or a a friend or a coworker or a boss, and it's like no matter how many different ways you try to say it, no matter how creative you are with the adjectives and even trying to think of illustrations, it's just like you just can't get the message across, right? And that's a, that's a problem. Uh, Jesus here was not going to have a relationship with these Pharisees because they 
could not hear his word. They didn't understand his speech. And likewise with us in our relationships, we have to be able to communicate. Now, sometimes communications break down to the point to where you can't really converse anymore. And if your marriage or a relationship, a really important relationship ever gets like that in your life, then I encourage you to get godly counsel. Oftentimes in marriage counseling, I've sat across from two people that I know love each other very much, but they can't seem to say a word without getting upset at each other. And really, and I'll use this illustration, I'll say, you both are saying pretty much the same thing, but it's like one of you is speaking Spanish and the other is speaking Polish. And I think you would want to hear what the other person is saying. You're just not hearing them. And so as a, as a marriage counselor, a lot of times, I'm like a translator, right? And this person says, which means I speak Polish. I don't know why I know that, except there was a really nice Polish sausage restaurant in Chicago that I have fond memories of. And uh, so, uh, and, and you, you say that to someone who knows Spanish, and it's like, ¿Qué dice? What do you say? And so going back and forth, but what if you had someone that says, oh, they're saying that they really love you, but this, this one action you do bothers them. Well, why didn't they just say that? I've been trying to say that, you know, and so it just blows up. Uh, so sometimes with marriage counseling, we just need a referee. We just need someone, a translator to come in. And it's not just marriage counseling. Sometimes two church members get sideways with each other or a, a boss and an employee get sideways with each other. Communication is so important. Have you all noticed that just raising your voice doesn't solve the problem? Have you noticed that calling each other names doesn't solve the problem? Being passionate doesn't solve the problem? Walking away doesn't solve the problem? Being silent, giving them the cold shoulder? The way that you work through difficulties is exactly that. We work through them, but we have to be able to communicate through them. And so let's make sure that we don't get to our loved one's to the place where, where Jesus was with these. He said, why do you not understand my speech even because you can't hear my word? And, and this goes back to an old adage. Uh, be more interested in repairing the relationship than winning the argument. Right? Sometimes we get into an argument and all of a sudden the goal becomes to win instead of confirming our love. Instead of pushing the reset button and say, whoa, how did we get here? Let's not go there. Uh, now, we're going to talk another time, perhaps, an, an old outline that we taught years ago called How to Handle a Disagreement. You have to learn how to handle disagreements if you're going to have a long-term relationship. Right? What happens when you do have a legitimate disagreement? You think you're right. They think they're right. What do you do now? And so you have to learn how to work through those things, but that's not the lesson for tonight. Tonight's is very simple, good habits of communication. Look at Proverbs chapter 7 and verse 21. The word of God says, With her much fair speech she caused him to yield, and with the flattering of her lips she forced him. Now out of all the verses that we could have looked at having to do with speech, you say, Pastor, why would you look at this verse? This is a wicked woman seducing a man. What's the truth here? The truth is that these fair words, fair speech, is very powerful even to get people to do wrong. Imagine how much more powerful it is to get people to do right. You know, sometimes we are right, but in the wrong way. You can be right, but in the wrong way. But what if you were right in the right way? 
What if your argument was not only right and biblical, not just necessarily your argument, but, but your supposition, what you're trying to say, but you were saying it in the best way possible? And this was where communication comes in, that uh, I want to learn to communicate in such a way that I can get across my thoughts, not just so I can win an argument, but so I can repair a relationship or for God's glory or for any of these things. And so a fair speech, we want to uh, try to have fair speech when we're talking to someone. And that's not just talking about using pretty words. It's talking about using words that make an impact in people. All right, and then look at Colossians chapter 4. And verse 6, if you're there, say amen. All right, the Bible says, Let your speech be always seasoned, or excuse me, let your speech be always with what? Grace. Grace seasoned with salt that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. So here we talk about our words uh, seasoned, uh, the salt. Have you ever had a, a meal that just uh, needs salt? I mean, you go to taste it, and it's like, oh, that just needs salt. Uh, and so some people's speech just needs grace. It's like, oh, what you're saying might be true, and I might even need to hear it, but wow, that was a terrible way to say it. Uh, and so we have to be seasoned with grace. And so I want us to think about our words when, when we're communicating. We need to pull back our, uh, and think about our words before we say them and say, okay, are my words graceful? People say, well, they're true. Well, you can be true and still be an, an ignoramus. Right? Uh, you can be right and still hurt people. But I'm glad Jesus not only had the right words, but he had the right spirit. He was full of grace and truth. And so this is going to help you. If you, you write these things down, I'm going to present this as in a family setting or a marriage setting. But I want you to take some of these principles and you can apply them to any setting. Okay? Some of them will be primarily family, marriage. Some of them will be universal. So let me just give you a couple thoughts here. Good habits of communication. Number one, end the day together. End the day together. And of course, this is for family, parents, children, spouses. Think about an old-fashioned family dinner. You know, years ago, they did a multi-million dollar study that basically said families that spend more time together, i.e., or for example, eating meals together, uh, have a lot less problems than those that don't. And it's like we could have saved them millions of dollars and just taught them the scripture, amen? Uh, so uh, things like family dinner, it, it's hard, and, and situations are difficult. In our day and age, people are coming and going in different times, and, and our family, you know, Sarah's sick, so that really throws our family for a loop. Every day is different. Uh, and, and so, but, but we have to strive to end the day together. It could be a, a family altar, and every family should strive to have a family altar. And a lot of times, a good time to do that is right after dinner. If you eat dinner together, then while you're still sitting at the table, you can take out the scripture or talk about scriptural things and pray together, and you can do it right there versus trying to get together again later uh, in, in the busyness of life. All right, let me say this. Husband and wife should go to bed together. I mean, at the same time. A lot of times, a wife or a husband will go to bed early, and then the other one will go to bed at a separate time. And I know, again, life is so complicated nowadays, but it is better for you to go to bed at the same time, lay down next to your loved one, even if their schedule's weird, and get back up than to every day 
have them go to bed an hour or two before you, it really causes a disconnect. There's something very settling about laying your head on the pillow at the same time. And then you have that pillow talk, just you're talking about things as you're getting ready to, to go off to bed. Maybe a husband and wife can hold a hand and say a few minutes of prayer before they drift off to sleep. Those are precious minutes as, as you're there together. Uh, and, and so that's an idea. I think if with children, make sure that you put them to bed or at least say goodnight. Have some type of goodnight ritual where you say goodnight before you put them to bed. That gives the kids a sense of stability. Well, you look them in the eye, you hug them, you kiss them, and you say goodnight versus just sending people their, their separate ways when it comes time to go to bed. And so that is a very good way. And you say, preacher, what, why did you start in the evening? Well, that's what the Bible does. Uh, in, the, in Genesis, he said the evening and the morning were the first day. Uh, what you'll find is that if you go to bed right, you wake up better. Sometimes we'll go to bed wrong, and then we'll say, well, a new day starts tomorrow, and I'll wake up tomorrow and do different. But then you wake up in a lousy mood, or you're too tired, or these types of things. If you learn to go to bed right, your waking up is different. All right? And so we start in the night, in the day together. And then number two, think about this, start the day together. Uh, perhaps a family breakfast. Uh, at the very least, share a cup of coffee or a drink. Take a few minutes to chat. I was telling someone recently that Sarah, before she got sick, and I had all kinds of different, this is whenever we were uh, in college, this is whenever we were, uh, I was working uh, self-employed, this is whenever I was working in the construction union, I mean, I had all different types of jobs, and I mean, I, I worked everywhere from first shift, second shift, third shift, I mean, all kinds of things, uh, sometimes I'd work 24 hours, uh, 36 hours uh, to get a job done, but we, we, my wife had this idea that I want to get up when you get up. Now, sometimes that meant she would get up and then go back to bed. Maybe she was up late with the kids, but she would get up when I got up, maybe pack my lunch or have a few minutes, and then she, she might go back to bed if she still had to take care of kids later. But it was just something about going to bed at the same time and getting up at the same time. It was really special. Uh, and so uh, think about that. Let me say next, your first five minutes together after a long day need to be gentle, warm, and positive, not confrontational. So here's what happens. Uh, Dad comes home from work. Mom's been with the kids all day. She's about ready to kill them. I mean, they wrote with a Sharpie marker all over the cabinet. They spilled ever something in the fridge. I mean, they bit their brother or their sister. I mean, it's just been one of those days where it's like, I need help. And so... Uh, perhaps dad walks in the door, and rather than have a, a warm greeting, it's, do you know what your children did today? Well, I thought they were our kids. <laughs> you know, why, why are they all of a sudden my kids? And if they're ever just your kids, it's because they were bad. And, and, but if it's, don't treat my kids that way, it's because you're being too hard. So you've got to learn how to speak these language. But uh, no, they're, they're always our kids, right? And so, uh, but let those first five minutes, don't deal with problems when you're just getting back together. You know, have that first five, ten minutes when somebody walks in the door, or perhaps you've been home, sir, working at the house on a Saturday, and she comes back from grocery shopping. Don't hit her right as she walks in the door with all the problems that happened while she was gone. Listen, you don't want to create an atmosphere where your spouse doesn't want to come home. That's a bad idea. I know we're just going to get in an argument when I go home. I, know, I wonder what kind of mood they're going to be in when they get home. And sir, when you get home, don't, don't bring home all your problems of the day. Well, this happened at work, and you don't know what this happened, and how can I fix the faucet whenever I, I've been working all day, woman? I mean, it's, sometimes we just need to protect those 
minutes when we first go to or when we go to bed, when we get up, we've been gone for a while, when we get back together. Those are, are precious times. Matter of fact, we want to create an atmosphere where people want us to come home or they, we want to go home, right? So my wife, before she got sick, uh, even, even pastor in here, we lived over at Ice House Road, and I'd tell her what time I was going to be home. And uh, oftentimes when I'd get home in the evening, she would uh, be cooking dinner, and uh, she would always be waiting at the door for me, always waiting at the door with the smooch. And let me tell you, that made me want to come home, amen? Let me get a hallelujah right there. And so just wait, waiting right there. And often when the kids were young, she would tell the kids, hey, daddy's coming home. And so I would kiss Sarah and she would have the kids lined up to, to give me hugs and kisses as they were. Let me tell you, that made me want to come home. Uh, and just let me be honest with you. I went through a time where uh, it's hard for me sometimes as a pastor. And if, if you own a business or you're self-employed, you might know this. It's hard for me to know when to stop working because the work's never done. It's not like I ever check out. So sometimes I would go home, and as soon as I get home, kiss my wife and kids, and then start working again. And I got counsel about that years ago, and an old preacher told me, he said, let me give you a fix. When you get home, leave your briefcase in the car. I said, what? He said, just leave your briefcase in the car. He said, after dinner, you spend time with the kids. You can always go back and get it and work later that night. But he said, if you carry your briefcase into the house at the same time, you're bringing your work mind with you. And I did that. So I would leave my briefcase in the car, and it really just helped me switch gears so I could walk in and have that time with the family uh, and not be preoccupied with what's in my hand or what's over there on the table that I need to get done. All right, and so the first five minutes together need to be gentle, warm, positive, not confrontational. Next, have a plan for talking about problems. So if you make the initial time together a happy time, then when do we take care of problems? So the way that you're going to be able to lay aside your problems is whenever you say, I don't need to bombard my loved one with problems now because we have a time set aside later to do that. All right. And so maybe it would be after dinner. Maybe it would be after family altar. Maybe it would be uh, after you put the kids to bed. Maybe it's some time in between there. But you have a time where your spouse knows we can talk about anything that needs to be dealt with so that these things don't just keep getting pushed away. But let me give you a couple thoughts about this. When you're working through problems, never do it late at night or early in the morning. When you both are exhausted or one of you is exhausted out of your mind, that's not the time to talk about your problems. Right? You can turn a five-minute conversation into a five-hour fight just because you're not in a good place. Uh, and, and so not first thing in, in, in the morning either because you got to wake up, man, good night. Brother Ken's not even human until he gets a cup of coffee in him, right? He's told me that. you got to get your cup of coffee. you got to wake up. I'll be honest with you, in my, in my world, I have to have time alone with God before I, I walk into my day. If I don't, I'm just not in a good place. And so that means I have to get up early or I have to, to, to go to a, a separate place. You know, when Sarah is really bad, like I did this morning, I'll uh, just read my Bible and pray in the bedroom, but I'm still near her where she can still try to sleep or work through some pain or whatever. And so, but I'm still working through all that before I answer phone calls, before I check email, before I go out and, and work with the kids. I have to have that time. And so you need to know what, what works for you. And then, of course, uh, follow the guidelines of how to handle a disagreement, but that's not for tonight. Here's another thought. Uh, learn to spend time together that's not around the TV. All right? When I was growing up, family time was TV time. 
And it's deceptive in that it feels like you're closer than you are because you're not talking, you're not interacting, you're all just sitting around observing something. And again, this is hard for us with Sarah because family time for us is sometimes watching the Food Network channel or watching somebody bake something on TV or, you know, if Sarah can't do anything, uh, it's hard for us to know what to do. She can't play a board game. She can't go out and take a walk or these types of things. And so we have to be creative, and, and you might have to be creative in your, in your schedule. So perhaps uh, play board games together. Uh, enjoy the outdoors. Go sit outside. Uh, take a walk. Uh, these types of things. But learn how to spend time together that's not around the TV observing but where you're interacting with each other, talking, learning each other, uh, laughing, joking, those types of things. All right, we already said this, but pray together in the morning. Uh, this can be done for just a couple minutes, but it helps mom, dad, before the, or mom, uh, mom and dad pray before dad goes off to work. Uh, mom and dad and the kids, whoever's home at that time, pray before the kids go to school. It's a good time to touch base in the morning, too, set everybody down. I talked to him for a minute, talked about the day, we're going to go to school, then after school we've got these chores to do, and then we're going to do this, maybe we've got to go shopping after school, and then let's pray for a few minutes before we go into to our day. Those types of things are, are life-changing, and they help your communication later because you've already had a few minutes. Let me give you the, the average American day. Everybody goes to bed at different times the night before. They get up at different times in the morning. They don't get up in enough time, so now they're all rushing around, hollering at each other, yelling at each other, get out of the bathroom. She won't get out of the bathroom. How long does it take to, you know, all this kind of stuff. What am I going to eat for dinner? It's chaos at bedtime. It's chaos when you get up. Then everybody goes their separate ways, and then we come back sometime in the day. We come back and get together, and now we can't understand why we're just not clicking. Well, you haven't been clicking for a while. And you put day after day after day in that, you're just not clicking at all. And so the key with the relationship is to get into a rhythm. You know, we, we get into a rhythm where this is kind of what our life looks like, what our family looks like, but we're touching base regularly, and then that will really help. Guys, let me give you a thought. Turn off the phone during dates. Turn off the phone during dates. Don't go on a date and then sit there and look at your phone. Now, she, she wants to be with you. Look her in her eyes, tell her how beautiful she is, uh, all of those things. But don't be playing some weird game on your phone while you're out to eat. Uh, or or I've got to check my messages. No, you don't. They can wait. Uh, let, me, let me just give you a secret. It's, I've had people get mad at me before, uh, but you don't have to answer the phone during dinner. You don't have to be a slave to your phone that every time it rings, oh, my, my, my phone beeped. By the way, turn almost all your notifications off. You don't need to beep every time an email comes in. You don't need to beep every time something happens. Turn almost all your notifications off, news updates. Turn those crazy things off. Get that when you want it. Don't let them arrest your attention. But what I would do is have specific people that have a VIP account or they have a VIP setting in your phone where they ring through or they have a special ringer. Uh, so, so the important people in my life, they have a special ringer so that when the phone rings, I don't have to look at it to know who it is. I always answer my wife's phone. Uh, you know, Brother Pash even has a special ringer. And uh, it's fancy. And, uh, but, but if I'm working or i got my hands full or I've got these other things, I can't stop and look at my phone all the time. But I need to know if it's my wife. So my wife usually rings the hallelujah chorus. Matter of fact, I've been witnessing to people many times and I'm in the middle of talking about God. And, hallelujah. And they're like looking around like, whoa. I said, it's a sign. 
And, uh, but no, it's just my wife. But uh, you can have these little tricks to where your, your attention's not always being taken. All right, read good books and magazines and talk about them together with your spouse. What you're going to find is if, if you don't have a growing relationship or if you're not growing yourself, you're not going to have anything to talk about. You need to have something to talk about besides the kids, besides whatever. So read a good book. Uh, talk about things. Uh, it could be about your marriage. It could be about spiritual things. Talk about what you read in the Bible together. Talk about some recreation you like. It could be general knowledge. Hey, guess what I learned today? Crazy fact nobody cares about. This, you know, but, but you're talking and learning and growing. Let me say next, learn the interests of your spouse. Don't take pride in ignorance. I've, I've, had, I've had couples say they, they can't communicate, but then a wife will say, oh, I don't care about that. I don't care. About, he likes to fish. I don't care about that. I don't care about his work. Just bring home the money, baby. Bring home the bacon. I don't. It's like, well, no wonder. <laughs> no wonder you can't talk. And a guy will say, I don't care about shopping. I don't care about cooking. I don't care about crocheting. I don't care about. Listen, if it's important to your, your wife, then it ought to be important to you. And if it's important to your husband, then I had a conversation one time for 45 minutes about a set of drapes. And I'm sitting at our house over at Ice House Road, and I'm talking to my wife, and there's a part of my brain saying, you don't care about this. And it's like, I could go my whole life without thinking about drapes. But then there's another part of my brain that says, this is important to your wife. You love drapes, right? And so, I mean, we're talking about the color of drapes. We're talking about preferences of drapes, the thickness of drapes. Are they light blocking or not? What, what, what colors do we have? What colors do we want to pop off the wall according to our paint and this and that? I mean, we had a talk about drapes. I'll never forget it. It's etched in my mind. But you know, that was a good talk. But what if I would have said, sweetie, I don't care about drapes. Just get whatever you want. She would have said, okay, and she would have got whatever she wants. But we would have missed out on that. And you're going to miss out on things if you don't care about what's important to your spouse. Guys typically don't care about girl things. Girls don't typically care about guy things. But since you're married to one another and you care about each other, you've got to learn these things. Amen? And so I keep that. Thank one of you. Brother Pash has the wisdom to know this after all these years. And, uh, all right, and then communicate the, about the needs of your marriage and work on them together. Preventive maintenance is better than breakdown maintenance. Don't wait until something breaks down. Listen, don't hold it in until one day you explode. Because when you can't communicate, you don't feel safe and comfortable to talk about your needs. And so you hold it in, you hold it in until you, then all of a sudden, what do you mean by that? And how dare you? And it's like, and, and somebody in the relationship is like, what? What are you talking about? What happened? I thought we were okay. Because it's not right to get upset about something that you haven't communicated to your spouse or your loved one, right? I can't fix it if I don't know about it, right? And you can't fix it if you don't know about it. That goes with church, that goes with boss, that goes with work, that goes with friends. But at the same time, watch this, you can't be upset every time somebody brings you a problem. Don't be that friend that can never talk about anything that's, that's, that's touchy. Don't be that, that person that, that just, you can never talk about anything to do with you, like something might need fixed. Don't take it as a personal insult. Realize that I'm a sinner, right? I know I don't do everything perfect, but I want to please you, so I want you to help me. If I'm doing something that's hurting you, let me know so I can fix it. 
right? And vice versa. And so learn to communicate about the needs of your relationship before you get upset and can't talk about it thoroughly. Is that helpful to you? If we, if we practice those things, uh, boy, it'll, it'll surely change your relationship and help deepen uh, every relationship. Let's pray. Father, pray you bless us as we go our ways. Thank you for the, the good common sense you give us in your word and, and experience. And I pray that you would help us be able to communicate with uh, the ones we love. And Lord, help us to have good habits of communication.